everybody. Uh, I'm Robert Hackett, a senior writer and tech editor at Fortune. And today we're going to talk about crypto regulations with our esteemed panelists here. Um, it seems lately like there's been a bit of an unfriendly turn, especially here in the US. A lot of regulators are uh, you know, getting a little bit more aggressive about regulation, or at least talking more about it, that uh, things are going to come and some things are not going to fly. Uh, the recent news, I think, that everybody really caught was, uh, was Coinbase getting told by the SEC that they would get sued if they launched a high-yield product uh, for crypto lending. Um, so, Sydney, as somebody at a rival exchange at Gemini, which offers a lending product that gives people yield for uh, lending out their crypto, um, what was your reaction to the Coinbase news? Well, first of all, thanks so much to, to Salt for, for having me here. And it's uh, great to, to chat with Ryan and, and Zach and Robert about these timely issues. You know, there, there's always a lot going on in crypto, but it feels like at this moment um, in the regulatory space, there is really a lot going on. And you know, obviously, we are aware of, of the, the Coinbase um, dust-up with the SEC, and we're, we're following that. I'll say, as a as a general matter, you know, there's two things. There are a lot of crypto yield products out there, and they're all different. Uh, so, so Gemini does have a crypto yield product as well. Many other players in the space have products, and you know, they vary wildly. And Coinbase's product is, is you know, if you've seen the the news about them recently, is not live yet. So it's hard to make any kind of comparisons. But you know, you see, I'm not surprised uh, to see these things happen because crypto is so new that there aren't always you know, perfect analogies or a perfect fit between the, the new products that, that we all want to offer and the existing landscape that's applicable to more established products and, and financial assets. So you do sometimes see these things happen. And of course, it's our view as Gemini and, and many other of our peers who are actually seeking regulation that it's better to make regulation through a dialogue with regulators as opposed to through enforcement. And it's unfortunate when you see those dialogues break down. So it, you know, we're obviously, it's on our radar. It's something that we notice and it's something that we're cognizant of. And I think it's, it's hard to, to imagine it now, but thinking back even just a couple years ago, you know, there wasn't the kind of trust in the asset class that you see now. Bulge bracket banks weren't looking to offer you know, their customers exposure to it. So, you know, I think we and, and Coinbase and many of our peers actually do want a regulatory landscape to be applicable. They want clarity. They want, you know, trust. And that's what we're all going for at the end of the day. Um, did Gemini reach out to regulators in the wake of Coinbase's uh you know, what they, what they revealed about their discussions with the SEC? Are you having these conversations as well? And is there, uh, what's, what's coming out of them? I wouldn't say so much in the wake of Coinbase, of what, what's happening with Coinbase. You know, we're sort of always talking to regulators because one of the things that is somewhat unique about Gemini is that we are a DFS, New York Department of Financial Services, regulated trust company. And there's a lot of talk about how um, regulators, including in this instance the SEC, you know, from Coinbase's perspective, are obstructionist and they don't get it, and they're slow, and there's a lot of frustration. And you know, we we experience that from time to time as well, and we get that. But the DFS has been our regulator since we launched in 2015, and they really sort of blazed the trail in terms of crypto regulation, and they sort of dove in and got it right away. 
and actually applied one of the oldest structures that are applicable to, to financial assets, which is the trust company charter, to one of the newest innovations, which is crypto. And that was, you know, back in 2015 and was the precursor to the bit license that, you know, a lot of people love to hate because it's hard to get them. But we've been, you know, really happy with our dialogue with the innovation team at DFS. And that is a dialogue that we have to have with respect to every product that we offer out of our exchange and custody business, which is DFS regulated. So that's ongoing no matter what else is happening in the landscape. Um, I figure I should ask, is Gemini's high-yield lending product a security? No, it's our position that it is not. I had a feeling that you would say that. <laughs> thank you for asking. <laughs> sure. Um, Ryan, tell us sure. about FTX US. Um, you are a sort of uh, related to FTX, the global uh, exchange, sure. but you are particularly focused on the US market, which has a host of its own um, regulatory requirements. Um, what are the differences between sort of you know, that global operation and what you need to do to craft something for the US market? Sure, yeah, it's a great question, one we get a lot. Um, so under, under Sam Bankman-Fried, he spoke earlier this morning, um, he, he is the majority owner of a business called FTX.com and also a business called FTXUS that we, that we run under the brand FTXUS. I'm the general counsel of FTXUS, so speaking for that entity. Um, a, a big part of the market globally for the crypto space is derivatives, and, and that, that can be a margin product, that can be options, that can be futures, but a big part of the global demand is derivatives. And there's a handful of exchanges, not in the United States, that have offered those products. FTX.com is one of those. Um, as, as Sam saw that business grow, he sort of kept looking over his shoulder and saying, the US market's there. Um, it would be great to have a presence. He's from the US. I think his, a lot of his leadership team had experience here. And he said, let's build a US business. And, and the one product that you could launch um, by partnering with some trust companies, by working with different regulators and licenses on the money transmitter side, was a spot cryptocurrency exchange. So FTX US today is a spot cryptocurrency exchange. We have an NFT marketplace. Um, and, and then we have ambitions, and we, we've always, we've talked to the CFTC a lot about this, of getting into derivatives in the United States for US users. And so I, I think that's probably the two things you think of us, FTX US, spot exchange, FTX.com, derivatives exchange, not available in the US. And this is probably a good segue to hear from Zach, um, whose company that you are uh, purchasing. Sure, I'll, I'll let Zach introduce that. Yeah, sure. So, so I'm, I'm CEO over at Ledger X. We are a Commodity Futures Trading Commission regulated clearinghouse and exchange, which means we have the necessary federal licenses to offer derivatives products on cryptocurrencies that are considered commodities like Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh, we've been operational since 2017. We offer futures swaps and options on Bitcoin and on ETH now uh, in convenient 1 100th uh, contract sizes. And we're, we're very excited to be working with FTX US to, to uh, take, take everything to the next level. Yeah, a, a little color on that. So we, we announced, I don't know if it was a week or two or three weeks ago, but we've agreed to acquire LedgerX. They'll be under the FTX US structure. Um, and we've talked with the CFTC about this. They've been They've been encouraging and supportive. Um, their, their real goal is engagement and dialogue, and both with our team and with Zach's team together, we've done a lot of that with the CFTC and, and a handful of other regulators. But um, th there's some, some closing conditions to sort out, and, and hopefully by sometime in October, we can say that transaction is closed and, and done and moving forward. And at that point in time, people will be able to trade derivatives on FTX US? Well, they'll be able to trade 
as they are today, futures and options on Ledger X. Ledger X will be an FTX US company. Um, whether, whether it's someday called the FTX Derivatives Exchange, who knows? Smarter people than me will make those marketing decisions. Got it. How has the, um, how has the uptick in usage uh, been since your big commercial? You had Tom Brady um, feature in an FTX US commercial well, getting my, people's uh, attention. My mom texted me when she saw the commercial with Tom Brady that said, you know, he's, he's on FTX team. And she said, where do you work again? It seems interesting. So it was a hugely positive reaction. It was a national audience. There were some commercials that played during the week's NFL games. And anyway, Tom Brady is one of our endorsers. He's been hugely enthusiastic with his wife. And we're proud to be able to partner with him to, to reach potential users of our business. Excellent. Um, Zach, tell me a little bit about uh, the outlook for derivatives in the US. It seems like it's caught on slower here. Uh, than it has abroad. There were some uh, businesses that Ryan mentioned that uh, you know were big on options trading. Um, one of them, the hammer came down on BitMEX. Uh, the founders got indicted for some funny business that they were up to. Um, and FTX filled in the, uh, the gap and, and, and got a lot of customers after they, uh, they fell by the wayside. Um, why has it been so much slower going in the US than it has been abroad? I think it, it just takes a while to get through the registration process as a clearinghouse, as an exchange. And here in the U.S., uh, because of the split regulatory regime between the, the SEC and the CFTC, uh, there's been a lot of attention paid to just getting the spot businesses up and running. Most people have started there. We actually decided to start on the, on the derivative side. But the, the registration process for a clearinghouse for an exchange de novo can take four to five years. So it, it, it is an intensive process. And for that reason, I think just because of how new crypto is, um, that's how long it's taken. And it, it's as simple as that. But that doesn't mean that it's not a constructive uh, regime to work under. I think it's extremely constructive. And if you, you approach the regulators, you register, you fill out the paperwork, uh, you walk them through what you're doing, it can make a lot of sense for people to, to enter that, um, uh, the, the U.S. derivative space. What is the biggest change you would make to the U.S. regulatory regime right now? Um, I think the biggest change should come from the industry side, actually. The, the framework is there, right? I mean, there, the CFTC has a website where you can see the forms for registering for any kind of derivatives activity that, that you want to engage in. And the response from the industry to date has been somewhat tepid. There, have, there hasn't been a lot of, of, of registration, frankly, over the years. And, and I think I'd like to see more of that. And the more engagement there is from the industry, uh, the more walking in the front door there is, as opposed to you know trying to seek no action relief or, or kind of get around the regime, I think the more we'll see from the regulators in terms of a positive response to innovation. But I think it's the responsibility of, of the crypto industry to approach them constructively and through the front door. Although I think it might depend because Coinbase uh, certainly seemed to try this, at least in the telling of their CEO, Brian Armstrong. Uh, you know, he said they knocked on the door, tried to do everything by the book, and, uh, and they sort of got slapped as a result. Um, so I, I wonder whether that, that, that is the right approach, um, you know, asking for permission and whether people will be received warmly. I mean, our, our posture has been, I mean, I've been with FTX almost two months, so I'm, I'm, I'm a legacy employee at this point. But, um, you know, we've found the regulators receptive to meetings, you know, all the way up to the top of the SEC and the top of the CFTC. They're going to give you those meetings and, and, and across the state regulators, too. They want to hear what you're doing. They want to hear what your plans are. They've had very thoughtful questions. They, they, they've done their homework on, I think, all the businesses in this space that have notable profiles. And, and what they don't always do is say, here is a clean and clear, unambiguous path to what you want to do. Um, 
and that's not their job. And it's, it's not their job to give you the legal counsel and to create a strategic plan that works for you and them. Um, and it really is an engagement, and sometimes it takes longer, I think Sydney alluded to this, than just one meeting, answer, go forward. And that, that, is, that can be frustrating. And I, I think what we've seen in some of the recent you know, posting is, is folks, you get tired, you get frustrated, and you, you try to, let's push another way and see if that has a different result um, to be seen. Yeah, I agree with that. I uh, obviously that that's it's been a long road and a longer road with some regulators than others. I think that the CFTC has been much faster uh, to to weigh in and and offer uh, guidance and thoughts. Um, it, as, as Zach mentioned, and obviously DFS is a success story there. I think there's been some criticism of the SEC not only recently by Coinbase, but but going back prior to that, that they were a little bit slow under the prior um, chairman to, to take a position on crypto. I think that there were, you know, some regulators and some industry players uh, who, you know, industry, financial industry players who didn't think that crypto was real. And if you think back, I remember we were talking before the panel again, but just about how, how much more legitimate crypto has become and how much more regulators have started to pay attention to it. I mean, even when I started at Gemini, which was almost three years ago, the notion um, that Treasury, that uh, you know, that Janet Yellen would be paying attention to crypto and putting out a statement and thinking about stablecoins, you know, this is Gemini launched our stablecoin, uh, the Gemini dollar, through our DFS-regulated entity in 2018, and the notion that Treasury would be thinking about or caring about this technology was you know that that seemed improbable at the time and so much has has changed so i think there is a learning curve for you know all of us to come up and regulators are are no exception to that and you know different industry different agencies um, vary in terms of their response to the the crypto industry and you know, depends on the personalities who's there um, whether they're curious about it whether they're open to it and what else is on their plate now, you mentioned stable coins, so I want to just double-click on that for a second um, because the Fed is obviously very interested in looking at digital currency uh, initiatives. They are kind of doing a survey of the space and trying to understand whether there's a place for the government itself to offer a stable coin of the U.S. dollar. Um, what is your best estimation of how that's all going to shake out and you know, whether Gemini dollar can exist in that world where maybe there is a sort of Fed coin? Yeah, I mean, I wish I wish I knew the timeline. I think you know, there's a, a lot of speculation and questions around the timeline. I mean, it is clear that that the Fed and many other regulators are looking at this, um, and and it's again gotten too too big to ignore. I think there is you know, this is an incredible proof point for the technology that the the notion of a, a central bank digital currency is is a real um, legitimate notion, and that that a number of governments, not just the U.S., obviously China and, and others, are looking at it. It's it's again an incredible proof point for for the for blockchain technology. It's it's our understanding that the president's working group, which is made up of a, a whole host of, of federal regulators, has been been looking at this. Um, they've been engaging with industry, and that they're planning to to release a white paper. Again, no no real sense of the the timing there. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what it says and what uh, regulators do to, to actually you know, promulgate any kind of regulation around that. Are you speaking with, uh, with the Fed members about that? Are they, are they you know, canvassing private industry for 
whenever anyone reaches out uh, to industry players for our thoughts, we always respond. Got it. Um, by the way, I want to make it known also that I'm going to open up the floor to questions uh, in a little bit. Uh, so we will reserve time. If anybody in the audience has something they want to ask, uh, you can start thinking about that now. Um, You're already quitting being a moderator? <laughs> I am. You just yeah. started. No, I'm bailing. Okay. okay. Um, Ryan, uh, I'd like to get your uh, view on this as well, uh, because I asked Zach, what is the biggest thing you would change in the US regulatory regime it, as it relates to crypto? It's a good question. I think I, I'm tempted to say it would be awesome to have a single federal source to go and get your crypto regulatory stack as opposed to, let's say, navigating a 50-state maze and, and, and other territories, et cetera. But I, I'm, I'm not sure that's, that's, that's where I want to land. I, I, I think I want some clear like policy priorities from regulators, and, and, and they've given us these in many senses, and then an ability to engage towards solution that meet those policy priorities, even if they don't fit inside of the technology regu that, that regulation was designed for many years ago. And so customer protection, transparency, risk management, if, if you can show up with really strong faith, not just good faith, really strong faith products that meet customer protection, you know, investor protection, transparency, disclosures, then let's find a path to get that to the market, um, particularly when you've got this non-US market that's become super competitive for US investor dollars, US institutional investors. Like, let's, let's acknowledge, and maybe it's at the federal level, maybe it's federal and state partnerships like really engaging on this, but I, I think it's being open to new products that we all admit on day one don't fit inside of our traditional regulatory structure. And, and Zach mentioned the laws are already there. I, I think they pretty much are. Certainly the principles behind the different policy goals that we want to see pursued are there. So let's use the regulation and, and legislation we have. Um, if there's new legislation, great. Let's not overdo it. But I, I think just a real encouragement. Maybe it's a sandbox or maybe it's a movement towards a sandbox and say, if you've got a really strong faith product that meets our policy priorities, we're gonna, we're gonna get that to market. So that's a big ask, but I think that's the idea. And the single front door you've described, is this a new governmental entity or is this an existing one, a partnership across various ones? It seems like the SEC would like to be that place and Gary Gensler is certainly uh, positioning the agency in that way. So look, the, the banking regulators are prudential regulators, right? They care about systemic risk, the prudential safety and soundness of, of the financial institutions that we authorize provide those services to users. And then the CFTC is a markets regulator. They care about integrity of markets, efficiency of markets. And the SEC is sort of investor protection and disclosure and capital formation. Um, so do we need a new regulatory body to come up beside those? Probably not. But I, I think what you're seeing in, in Treasury and FinCEN, I'm sorry, Treasury and FSOC, is an ability to bring those regulators together and maybe figure out, um, you don't see a lot of partnership amongst regulators for new regulatory programs, but something like a partnership with our existing regulators where they're working together and say this can work. And, and a lot of it does depend on the product itself. So investment products, you're thinking CFTC or SEC, but as you get more towards traditional banking products, I think it's fair for the bank regulators to have an interest. So it's, it's maybe not one single front door, but the ability to have the regulators partner on regulating those entities or products. Got it. Um, before we open the floor to some questions, I want to ask Sydney the same question. Uh, what's the number one policy proposal you'd push through or something you would change about the current regulatory regime? 
Yeah, I was thinking about that as, as um, Zach and Ryan were, were responding to the question, and I think that it is really challenging given how many different uh, regulators have an interest in crypto. I mean, Ryan went through through some of them, and, and there's also the, the sort of sanctions and anti-money laundering, know your customer component that, that FinCEN brings to the table. So, so between markets and you know, prudential regulation around safety and soundness and consumer protection disclosures uh, and, and market surveillance, et cetera, you, you have, uh, you know, so that, that's just sort of the way that the U.S. system has, has grown up over the years for better or worse. You have a number of, of different constituents that, that potentially have a perspective on the asset class. And again, Gemini has been fortunate to work with DFS that brings sort of all of those things to bear from the state perspective. And because we're in a federalist system, you have 50 states that have the ability to regulate as well. Um, and then the feds can come in and, and there's a preemption, but but only in part. And so it's, it's, it's a complex you know, host of, of folks. We, again, have been, by and large, very happy with our relationship with the DFS and with the innovation team there. I think, you know, to the extent that, that federal regulators could take that perspective, and as Ryan suggested, um, perhaps, you know, come together, and as Zach suggested, you know, there's perhaps a, an opportunity for some self-regulation among industry to come together, and, you know, obviously FINRA came out of that spirit, um, in the securities uh, in industry. So, so I think that there's a potential for, for some self-regulation for the like-minded crypto companies that do want to continue to foster a sense of security, safety, and trust in, in the asset class. That's something that Tyler and Cameron, the founders of Gemini, have been pushing for a while now to have a self-regulatory um, body. What, how has the progress been on that initiative? That's right. We have long been in favor of uh, self-regulation and and for a, a level playing field with respect to that, actually, a statutory mandate around a, a self-regulatory organization. Um, I think, you know, people differ about whether the CFTC in particular has the statutory authority to, to mandate an SRO. I think that as from a principal's perspective, we, we continue to believe it. And actually, since those conversations in, in I believe it was 2018, um, there has been a great example of industry coming together, not as an SRO per se, but the U.S. Travel Rule Working Group, which has now been renamed Trust, um, is an industry consortium uh, that it, of which Gemini is a part, Coinbase and others, is creating a technological solution to the travel rule which not to you know, go into too much detail and have everyone's eyes glaze over, there's a, a, a rule in, in the traditional banking industry that certain information has to be transmitted uh, along with certain transactions. FATF and FinCEN have mandated that with respect to certain crypto transactions. From a technical standpoint, just because of how crypto works, it's very challenging to implement that. But industry has come together to think it through and to, to sort of bring expertise to bear on you know, how the government's kind of legitimate interest in, in you know, anti-money laundering and protecting the, the ecosystem uh, can be applied to this novel technology. Excellent. Um, so let's toss it over to the audience for questions at this point. We've got a little over five minutes left. Um, I see one in the back. We'll start with you. Yeah. Oh, and please give your, your name and, and title. Hi. 
you just yell. Yell very <laughs> Yeah, we, we can hear you. Okay, so the question is, uh, with the software upgrades and changes to the Ethereum network that have recently been passed and are still to come, um, is that going to affect the classification of Ether? Um, before, there was uh, an SEC advisor who had suggested that it was uh, decentralized enough not to be a security, um, but could these changes affect Ether's status? I, I think Bill Hinman, the, the former director of the Division of Corporation Finance, said directly that transactions involving Ether were not securities transactions. And I, I think he came out the right way there. Um, I, I, in fact, I, 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 I'm sure he did. Um, the, the background to me is, who, who knows, who knows what, what tokens are or are not going to become a security? I, I think the SEC has done a decent job um, trying to show us at least their thought process. We've got the framework, we've got the Howey test, right? We've got the Dow report. I think all of those things give counsel a lot of tools to do the analysis and come to reasoned views. Um, I, I think without jumping on ETH 2.0 and, and what the new analysis is, if it's more or less decentralized than it was before, we do know that the SEC cares about decentralization. And to me, it's, an, it's important that they gave that guidance, and I think it's helpful. I don't know, Sydney, if you have thoughts past that. Yeah. I, I, the, the changes to, to ETH 2.0 and, and how exactly they will come out and how what exactly that the, the chain will look like and the ecosystem will look like, I think, is TBD. And and Ryan's right that there has been some guidance, and Bill Hinman, obviously, were in not so much in official guidance, but in sort of creatively titled speeches and, and through the, the FinHub, which has been a, a very helpful source of, of information from the SEC around how we should think about you know, token taxonomy and 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 whether or not a, a, a crypto token constitutes security, you know there there has been some some guidance there. Exactly how Gensler and and his SEC will apply that and change that and augment that, um, and particularly with respect to the specific changes in ETH 2.0, I think that's a, a little bit beyond the scope of this panel. But but I generally agree with with Ryan's comments here, of course. Excellent. Thanks for your question. Over here. Um, I don't know if our microphones are working, but. And to get, you know, get the message to persons who are not in the room. So um, um, question for when, um, earlier Sam mentioned three jurisdictions that you had approval, regulatory approval in. You mentioned Bahamas, Gibraltar, US, are those the three or? And what can you do in those countries? Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. So remember at the beginning, we've got the FTX US business, which is a US focused business right now. And then in the US, we do the spot cryptocurrency exchange and through LedgerX uh, futures and options um, down the road. LedgerX is doing those now. FTX.com is, is looking at several different jurisdictions globally, um, two of which are the Bahamas and Gibraltar. And, and they've got, um, they have different licensing regimes there that have been open for us to explore, and I, I think that's the path we're going down, uh, both in the Bahamas and Gibraltar. What we're able to do with those licenses is, um, you know, it's it dependent on different jurisdictions, how they structure their derivatives industry, but part of our derivatives business will be there. 
got a question right here. We've got a mic coming. Hi, I'm Mitchell Dong. Uh, Pythagoras is a, a crypto hedge fund. Um, so Gary Gensler is thinking about uh, going to Congress to get spot exchanges regulated. And obviously the CFT is already regulating derivative exchanges. In Asia, like Hoibi, Binance, OKX, there are unregulated exchanges with both spot and futures, which some of us traders find very convenient. It's going to be kind of funny or awkward to have spot exchanges regulated by CFTC and, I mean, excuse me, SEC and derivatives by CFTC. How, how do you think you're going to sort that out? I have so many thoughts on this. <laughs> well, we've only got one yeah, minute left, this so. Is the time to share. <laughs> Look, I, there, there, are, there are a handful of provisions in both the SEC's statutory authorities and the CFTC's that, that if, they sort of, if they sort of jointly decided to go after any financial product set out there, I think they could create a regime where they partnered together and had some credible jurisdiction over that. And so I, I, I think there's, there's at least an intellectual path for spot exchanges to find a spot somewhere between CFTC and SEC regulation. As you know today, all the CFTC gets is fraud and manipulation authority over the spot exchange itself, and then they've got the clear regulatory authority over the derivatives. I, I don't see the SEC's clear direct path to the spot exchanges right now, but I, I think if they're willing to partner with the CFTC, who's got that fraud and manipulation authority, and, and, and potentially do some exemptive-based language where both sides preserve some ability to be involved, you could have a path for some federal regulation. The question is, does it solve for any of the 50 states? And if not, then it's just another layer on top of it. But, but if you got there, if you got an SEC-CFTC partnership over spot, then you could probably have a much more direct relationship between the spot and derivatives markets, which would be a good outcome for U.S. traders, I think. Well, that is all the time we have. Um, I hope that everybody took something away from that conversation. There's certainly no shortage of things to discuss when it comes to regulation as it applies to crypto. Um, Sydney, Ryan, Zach, thank you so much for being here, and thanks for your time. Thank you.